Dr. Jennifer Mukija here, your private wellness consultant detective. Thank you for joining me for episode six, Dandelion, Sun, Moon and Stars. Much learned controversy has thrown its dust upon the coat of many colours. But I believe that its first beauty remains fresh after all. Whether, indeed, as Professor Blunt supposed, it may have been a sacerdotal garment in particular we may doubt, although the dignity of the birthright involved the patriarchal priesthood, and it was as consecrated from among his brethren, separated, that he wore this goodly garment, as we may well suppose. As to its appearance, I think, after a good deal of inquiry and consideration, that the Septuagint and the Vulgate, tunican palmitam, both of which convey the idea of a variegated tunic, a veritable coat of many colours, are right, and that the passim of the Hebrew were pieces or patches of bright colours used in the ornamental applique work still so much in fashion in eastern countries. The Egyptian pictures show us that from a time long before that of Abraham, the Semitic nations of Western Asia wore coats and kilts of very richly coloured designs in white, blue, red, green and other colours, and that the chieftain was distinguished by the especial form and ornamentation of his tunic. The celebrated procession of the Amu, Asiatic foreigners, on the wall of a subterranean tomb at Binai Hassan, figured by Champollion, Rossellini and Lepsius in their magnificent works and reproduced in colours by Dr Birch in his edition of Wilkinson's Ancient Egyptians, is the earliest example and perhaps the best. We are more inclined to be sure on this matter from the same word, in effect, pesh, in Egyptian, as a verb signifying to divide in two parts, and the Coptic posh, meaning division. It is thus patchwork. We are told that Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. The expression is only used besides with reference to Isaac and to Benjamin, and Jewish commentators have taken it as expressing the position of usefulness and duty occupied by that son who remained at home with his father as the help and staff of his old age. And doubtless, such a post was really filled by Isaac towards Abraham and by Joseph and afterwards by Benjamin towards their father Jacob. But it is spoken of Isaac at his very birth. It could not be but that Joseph walked in paths of danger among those unruly brethren, sons of different mothers, but none of them born of his own, the beloved and lost Rachel. When we remember the outrage of Reuben, so recent as it was, the fearful vindictive cruelty of Simeon and Levi, and the ill-regulated life of Judah, it is easy to conjecture the difficulties and pitfalls that beset the life of Joseph, 
who, on the one hand, had to serve his brethren in the affairs of daily life, and on the other was bound, above all, to be loyal, open-hearted and faithful to their father. Archdeacon Norris writes with truth, The memory of his mother, the charge of that motherless child whom he loved with more than a brother's love, and above all the influence of his father, ever growing in spirituality. All this served to keep Joseph pure amid the evil examples of his elder brothers. The ingenious lad told his father of their ill-doing, and they envied and hated him, and could not even salute him with the ordinary courtesy of life. But he had not the shrewdness to suppress in their company things that would be sure to rouse their ill-will to still a greater height. Portentous dreams were regarded as very important omens, and Joseph told his brothers of a dream whose meaning was plain enough. In this dream, the mixture of the agricultural with the pastoral life was clearly shown, and in this regard, it forms important material for our estimate of the way of life of those patriarchal families. In the expression, My sheaf arose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood around about and bowed down to my sheaf. We are reminded of the harvest scenes in Egyptian pictures, where the sheaves are not set upright, as with us, but laid flat on their sides on the ground. In this dream, the scene of Joseph's future supremacy, the long harvest plain of Egypt, was foreshadowed. The next portended a still greater exaltation in which the sun and moon stood for his father and mother and eleven stars, not the eleven stars as in our authorised version, were his eleven brethren. Although the suggestion of the signs of the zodiac is unfounded, it does not follow that the series of twelve which Joseph's own star would have completed did not refer to some familiar system. Such sets of twelve stars were well known at that time, as we may read in Lenormand's learned work Le Origines de la Historie. But I think the most likely system of twelve may be found in Professor Sacy's important paper on early Babylonian astronomy, where we read of the twelve stars of Matu, or the West, whose names he recites, including Jupiter, Mercury, the planet which was the lord of the men of Quran, Joseph's own birthplace, and Mars, with nine fixed stars. This second dream Joseph told to his father, who was involved in it as well as his brethren, And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and my mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? The eleven stars clearly show that Benjamin was already left in Rachel's void place. But then how could this dream mother shine upon her Joseph in this strange dream? Jacob kept it in his heart with many an unspoken thing beside. And this was the turning point in Joseph's life. His brethren were bold enough to go back with the flock to the scene of their evil exploits. 
and Jacob's heart misgave him as to their peace and the peace of the flock. And at his father's bidding, the son of his home set forth to inquire of their welfare, like David so long after. That was a reading from pages 30 to 34 of The Life and Times of Joseph in the Light of Egyptian Law by Reverend H.G. Tompkins, published in 1891. Have you ever stopped to admire a dandelion? Have you ever considered how its beauty and form reflect the wonder of our solar system, with its ochre yellow flower portraying the sun, the moon reflected in its globe of white feather-like seeds, which resemble the stars as they parachute off into the distance when released? I have long loved dandelion tea, much before I appreciated its health benefits. In fact, I can remember consuming this caffeine-free, rich, roasted-flavour herbal quite often one winter and wondering why, all of a sudden, I felt so ravenously hungry. Before reaching up to take the box one day in the cupboard where it was kept above the kettle and finally glancing at the box to see some small writing indicating that dandelion is an appetite stimulant. These days, you can find dandelion tea in most supermarkets or, if not, in health food stores. If in Australia, the Bonvit blend of dandelion and chicory root is one I enjoy. In addition to being an appetite and digestive stimulant, dandelion is also a diuretic and contains significant amounts of potassium and vitamin C. It has even been purported that one dandelion leaf alone holds the daily recommended intake of vitamin C for an adult. Fascinatingly, its Latin term, Taraxacum officinale, appears to translate as something like the official remedy for disorders. Let me read to you now from page 103 of The Complete Medicinal Herbal by Penelope Odie, from her section on the dandelion. It is cold, but drieth more, and doth withal cleanse, and open by reason of the bitterness which it hath joined with it. A quote by John Gerard, 1597. A relatively recent addition to the medicinal repertoire, dandelion was not mentioned in Chinese herbals until the 7th century, while in Europe it first appears in the Ortus Sanitatus of 1485. The name dandelion was apparently invented by a 15th century surgeon who compared the shape of the leaves to a lion's tooth, or dense leonis. In the West, we separate the leaves and root. The Chinese use the whole plant, which they call Pu Gong Ying. Its character is cold, bitter and sweet. The leaves are constituted of bitter glycosides, carotenoids, terpenoids, choline, potassium salts, iron and other minerals, vitamins A, B, C and D. The root constituents include bitter glycosides, tannins, tritopines, steroids, volatile oil, choline, asparagine, and inulin. 
The actions of the leaves include diuretic, liver and digestive tonic. The actions of the root include as a liver tonic, promotes bile flow, diuretic, a mild laxative and an anti-rheumatic. In China, the flowers, leaves, root and seed heads of either the common dandelion or an oriental species tea, mongolicum, are used as a diuretic and liver stimulant. They are also considered to clear heat and toxins from the body, so are used for boils and abscesses. The leaves and effective diuretic are rich in potassium, which is generally lost with frequent urination. They are used for fluid retention, especially with heart problems and for other urinary disorders. The leaves are also an effective liver and digestive tonic. Harvest throughout the growing season. The white sap from the stem and root can be used as a topical remedy for warts. The root, a favourite liver stimulant with many herbalists, is used as a gentle cleansing tonic for a range of problems, including gallstones and jaundice. It can be useful for constipation and in chronic toxic conditions such as joint inflammations, eczema and acne, harvest in autumn. She's then got a whole section on applications for dandelion. For the leaves, using them fresh or juiced or as an infusion. Fresh, they can be added to spring salads as a cleansing remedy. They can be juiced and liquidized when a diuretic action is needed and take up to 20 mils of juice three times a day or infused, they're a little less effective as a diuretic but they are a cleansing remedy for toxic conditions including gout and eczema or as a gentle liver and digestive stimulant and that is to be made with freshly dried leaves. A tincture can also be made of leaves and is often added to remedies for a failing heart to ensure adequate potassium intake. The root tincture uh, can be used for toxic conditions such as gout, eczema or acne, and also prescribed as a liver stimulant in liver disorders and related constipation. Or a decoction can be used for the same conditions as the tincture. And as we always mention on this podcast, you should always consult a physician, your personal physician, before taking any new herbal medications as any new herbal uh, remedies may interact with your current medications or could have unintended side effects, especially if you have underlying medical conditions. Now, I'd like to delve into a recent 2022 review article on the dandelion and its effects on the cardiovascular system, entitled New Perspectives on the Effect of Dandelion, Its Food Products and Other Preparations on the Cardiovascular System and Its Diseases by Beata Olus, published in Nutrients. Let me read for you the abstract. Cardiovascular diseases have been the leading cause of death for over 20 years. 
The main causative factors are believed to be high cholesterol, obesity, smoking, diabetes and a lack of physical activity. One of the most commonly used treatments is a combination of anticoagulant and antithrombotic therapy. However, it often causes unwanted side effects. The European Society of Cardiology therefore recommends a prophylactic strategy including a varied diet rich in fruits, vegetables and medicinal plants, all of which are sources of natural compounds with antiplatelet, anticoagulant or antioxidant activities, such as phenolic compounds. One such plant with multidirectional health-promoting effects and a rich source of secondary metabolites, including phenolic compounds, is dandelion, Taraxacum officinale. The present mini-review presents the current state of knowledge concerning the effects of dandelion consumption on the cardiovascular system and cardiovascular diseases based on in vitro and in vivo trials. It discusses the value of dandelion as a food product as well as extracts and pure compounds such as chicoric acid which can be obtained from the various plant organs. The paper also sheds new light on the mechanisms involved in this activity and describes the cardioprotective potential of dandelion products and preparations. So that again was the abstract of a recent 2022 review article on the dandelion and its effects on the cardiovascular system, entitled New Perspectives on the Effect of Dandelion, Its Food Products and Other Preparations on the Cardiovascular System and Its Diseases by Beata Olus, published in Nutrients, and I've included a link to this article in the episode description. Now, I'm so taken by this article that I'm actually going to proceed to read for you both the introductory passage and the second section, which is a general description of the dandelion and its products. According to World Health Organization reports, cardiovascular diseases have been the leading cause of death globally over the past 20 years. Despite the rapid development of innovative treatments and diagnostic techniques, it is estimated that around 20 million people worldwide are currently dying from cardiovascular diseases. The most common forms of cardiovascular disease are atherosclerosis, arterial hypertension, myocardial infarction, stroke and heart failure, with the main causative factors being high cholesterol, obesity, smoking, diabetes and lack of physical activity. These symptoms are also typically accompanied by alterations in hemostasis. Hemostasis is maintained primarily by a complex interaction between blood platelets, the endothelium and various coagulation and fibrinolysis factors. These processes play an important role by regulating the fluidity of circulating blood and by facilitating clot formation following damage to the endothelial wall. However, homeostasis can be modulated by the effect of oxidative stress, resulting in the development of pathological processes that lead to the formation of atherosclerosis in acute coronary syndrome and cerebral ischemic events. One of the most common treatment strategies employed for cardiovascular diseases is based on a combination of anticoagulant and antithrombotic therapy, including drugs such as aspirin, clopidogrel, 
Rivaroxaban, Warfarin, Dabigatran and Abixaban. These drugs act through a range of mechanisms. For example, aspirin prevents the production of thromboxane A2 by inhibiting the activity of cyclooxygenase in blood platelets, while clopidogrel blocks P2Y12 receptors on blood platelets. Unfortunately, the use of such medication often causes unwanted side effects in many patients, such as hemorrhagic and ischemic complications. The European Society of Cardiology recommends the consumption of a varied diet rich in fruits, vegetables or medicinal plants, which are sources of natural compounds with antiplatelet, anticoagulant or antioxidant activity. Dandelion, Taraxacum officinale, is also a good source of secondary metabolites such as phenolic compounds. The chemical content of dandelion has been detailed is in a recent review, together with its varied antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, cytotoxic and diuretic properties. However, no paper has yet reviewed the prophylactic and therapeutic potential of dandelion and its bioactive components against cardiovascular diseases and their effects on the cardiovascular system in general. To address this gap, the present paper is intended as a mini-review of current literature examining the effects of dandelion on the cardiovascular system and its diseases in various in vitro and in vivo studies. It also describes the properties of its food products and preparations as well as its extracts, complex fractions and pure compounds such as chicoric acid obtained from the roots, leaves, fruits and flowers. This paper also sheds new light on the mechanisms involved in their action and describes the cardioprotective potential, including antiplatelet and anticoagulant action of these products and preparations from different plant organs. This review is based on papers identified in electronic databases PubMed, Scopus, ScienceDirect and Web of Knowledge. The last search was run on December 30th, 2021, and the following terms were used. Dandelion, Taraxacum officinale, dandelion and cardiovascular disease, dandelion and hemostasis, and dandelion and oxidative stress. Just a reminder, I'm reading for you today from the paper on dandelion and cardiovascular disease entitled New Perspectives on the Effect of Dandelion, Its Food Products and Other Preparations on the Cardiovascular System and Its Diseases by Beata Olas published in Nutrients, and again, I've included a link to this article in the episode description. Let's proceed to the second section on the general description of dandelion and its products. The dandelion, Taraxacum officinale, also known as the common denachine or the drinifer, is a percentine of the Arrestaceae family, a subfamily of the Cichoriaceae. The Latin name of the plant derives from the Greek words taraxic, meaning ignition, and achiomia, that is, treatment. Although the dandelion is believed to originate in Europe, it is found throughout the entire northern hemisphere, including northern Europe, the temperate zone of North America, as well as Asia. It can grow from sea level to alpine elevations and tolerates every soil type. Dandelion is a rich source of phenolic acids, flavonoids and terpenes. It is also a strong source of vitamins A, C, E, 
K and B, and minerals calcium, sodium, magnesium, iron, copper, silicon, zinc and manganese. Although dandelion is mainly known for its medicinal properties, it has for many years been successfully used worldwide in the food industry as an entirely non-toxic and edible plant. Indeed, the US Food and Drug Administration has placed dandelion on the list of safe products for people with rare allergies. However, the dose should not exceed 4 grams or 12 grams per day for the aerial parts of the plant or 1 gram or 3 grams per day for the root. The roots, leaves and flowers may be eaten raw or cooked. Stepping away from the article briefly, I would like to mention that I have seen some information suggesting that the stems of dandelion can be toxic if taken directly. But let's keep reading. Due to their high nutrient content, dandelion leaves are often included as a salad ingredient and the inulin-rich foods are used as substitutes for coffee or tea. In Asian countries, fried dandelion leaves are popular in combination with brown rice. Young leaves can also be prepared in the form of soup. In Turkey, fresh dandelion leaves are used as a spice and added to many dishes, and the ground dried leaves can also be used as a seasoning. Dandelion leaves are also believed to have a positive effect on the cardiovascular system due to their high potassium content that equates to 397 milligrams of potassium per 100 grams. Indeed, increased potassium intake with food, about 3,500 milligrams per day for an adult, has been found to lower blood pressure. While both the flowers and roots can be used for winemaking, the two parts require different production processes. In addition, the flowers, leaves and roots can be consumed as herbal teas, while the flowers can also be made into syrup. In Canada and the UK, whole dandelions are added to beer, while in Belgium the flowers can be used as additives to a beer-based drink called Saison, known for its strong fruity aftertaste. In addition, flower extracts can be used as flavour additives in a range of foods such as desserts, candies, baked cakes, jellies and puddings. The flower buds can be added to pancakes and omelettes and in some European countries they are preserved in vinegar and served similar to capers and dandelion marmalades and liqueurs are commonplace in Italy. In Great Britain, dandelion wine made from petals and sugar and often lemon juice is also popular as a carbonated drink. Dandelion extracts can be purchased in capsule form as dietary supplements, especially in North America. In addition, dandelion is a valuable species for supplying bees with nectar. In addition to its flavour qualities, Dandelion is traditionally used in infusions and decoctions as an aperitif, tonic and stimulant. However, studies only uh, suggest a minor effect. It has also been used for many centuries as a remedy for kidney, liver and gallbladder disorders. The beneficial effects of dandelion are dependent on the chemical compounds contained in the plant. 
These include sesquiterpene lactones, which have been found to have anti-inflammatory and antibacterial effects, as well as triterpenes or phytosterols, which possess anti-atherosclerotic properties. In addition, dandelions have high levels of phenolic compounds, including phenolic acids, with antioxidant properties and cormorins with anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, antibacterial and antithrombotic effects. The roots are also rich in inulin, which has a probiotic, hypoglycemic and immune boosting effect. So that was the first two parts of the wonderful review article on dandelions and their effect on the cardiovascular system titled New Perspectives on the Effect of Dandelion, Its Food Products and Other Preparations on the Cardiovascular System and Its Diseases by Beata Olis, published in Nutrients, and I've included a link to this article in the episode description. In the body of the article, the author gives a fair and balanced assessment of previous studies, citing that there is a paucity of literature with a predominance of animal-only studies. The author has included a lovely flow diagram outlining areas where the evidence is more convincing, such as the role of dandelion antioxidant activity, including inhibition of lipid peroxidation and antiplatelet activity, along with reductions in cholesterol and triglyceride, while flagging those areas that remain in question. For example, its action to target obesity via decreasing body weight and its possible anticoagulant action through inhibition of thrombin. After expounding on previous in vivo and in vitro studies, this article highlights the need for ongoing research, particularly in humans, but overall presents an optimistic outlook on the role that dandelions can play in optimization of cardiovascular health. For some visual expose, I've included links to a delightful video on Encyclopedia Britannica that includes some dandelion recipes for the kitchen, as well as a recipe for dandelion oil. Some have touted that dandelion oil massaged into skin has the ability to relieve chest congestion, which sounds interesting, although personally I'm yet to understand what the mechanism would be behind this. Speaking of remedies, which for me uh, have more traditional than scientific basis, at least at this stage, for those in the Southern Hemisphere, allow me to introduce you to a wonderful warming winter drink originating in India that I can anecdotally verify is very especially soothing for sore throats introduced to me by my husband. Take two tablespoons of chickpea flour and roast in a frying pan with two tablespoons of ghee until the mixture turns a dark brown, quite a dark deep brown. Continue stirring and smoothing. I like to use a spatula for this and it takes about 10 minutes. Then add one cup of milk and half a cup of water plus two teaspoons of sugar and boil for another 10 minutes or so until the mixture has thickened slightly and then pour with caution and enjoy this wonderful hug in a mug. 
Let's flick back now to our opening passage from the life and time of Joseph in the light of Egyptian law and consider his remarkable journey from favourite child of his father to then being sold as a slave by his jealous brothers in Egypt to then overcoming multiple trials before being raised up by God to become the prime minister over all of Egypt and successfully leading the nation and surrounding regions through seven years of devastating famine. It seems to me that his vision of his brothers and father bowing down to him as the sun, stars and moon in the sky, given to him as a youth, though the telling of it initially unwisely brought him calamity, it must subsequently have sustained him through his many trials and ultimately, in the end, he was able to forgive his brothers and bring healing and prosperity to his entire family. As he states in Genesis chapter 45 verse 5, But don't be sad that you sold me into slavery here, or angry at yourselves, because it was God who sent me ahead of you to preserve life. And in verse 7, God sent me ahead of you to ensure that you will have descendants on earth and to save your lives in a great deliverance. Interestingly, in the book I quoted earlier, on the life and time of Joseph in Egyptian law by Reverend H.G. Tompkins. On page 40 we read, There seems more and more reason to hold the ancient belief that Joseph entered and ruled Egypt during the domination of the Hyksos, or shepherd kings. The best historians of Egypt support this conclusion as Birch, Brooks, Maspero, Weidman, Eusebius, about AD 300, gives the tradition and George, the Syncellus, about AD 800, specifies Aphophis as the pharaoh of Joseph. The name is an authentic record of the title of two, at all events, of the Hiskos kings, both in Manetho's list and on the monuments. The name of Pepe is inscribed on the right shoulder of the grim and striking sphinxes found among the ruins of San or Jean. It is true that Professor Maspero considers this as an usurpation of an older statue, but Mr Flinders Petrie still believes that the stern features which look out of those shaggy lion's manes are really those of the shepherd king. Moreover, in his last entirely important excavations among the ruins of Bubastis, the Pibiseth of Scripture and Telbuster of the present day, M. Neville has recovered twin statues in fragments, which he believes to be those of a later Apipi, probably of Joseph's time. The head and other portions of one of these are now in the British Museum, and we will say more of them by and by. Let's close now with a quote from Lynn from the Intrepid Dandelion Way, a consulting and coaching business you can find at theidway.com, and I've included a link in the description. Lynn says, quote, Remember how blowing a dandelion seemed to be the ultimate source of communicating with the power that grants wishes? When we saw the seeds of this 
this wishing flower flying away. It seemed as if our wishes were being sent out to the universe so that they could be fulfilled. And she states, Not all blows of life take you down. At times, they also give you the opportunity to free yourself. Thank you for taking the time to spend time with me today. I hope you've enjoyed our discussions on dandelions and also our dabble into the life and times of Joseph in ancient Egypt. For further visual inspiration, you may find a link to a YouTube time-lapse of dandelions in the description and, as always, there is our Pinterest account. This has been Dr Jennifer McKeeja, your private wellness consultant detective.